Welcome back to episode five of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. I'm Kerry here with my co-host, Adrian. And today we're diving into choosing a niche, what the heck is a niche, and some frameworks and formulas on how you can choose a niche that you're gonna love and is gonna be super profitable. And I wanna also let you know that in this episode, things even get a little heated. We have some heated debates on some subjects that are, man, kind of controversial around niching down. So buckle up. This is going to be an awesome episode. Let's do it. Adrian, what's going on, man? Hey, man. I am super excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. How's your week going? It's going good. Um, if you hear me, if you hear like cough drops in my mouth, that's because there's cough drops in my mouth. Um, <laughs> I have like a little bit of a cold. It's totally not a big deal. You don't um, sound like you have a cold. You sound- I do or don't? Just like you don't. You sound like you oh, just, good. like you always do. Awesome. Okay, good. Because I'm going to be drinking tea and throwing back cough drops this whole episode. But I like, I feel great. It's like, this is like no biggie, no big deal at all. So well, good, um, good aside from that, doing great, man. How are you? How's your week going? I'm good. My week's going really good, man. This is the first week that the kids are officially both back in school, like all the time. No way. So, okay. From the Christmas break. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. So I'm enjoying some much needed, like quiet time in the house. I just, uh, <laughs> on lunch, on lunch today, my wife and I just went down to the tennis courts and played pickleball, like on lunch, nice. no kids, you know, it's like 65 degrees here in Oklahoma. It's beautiful this week. So it's That's a good awesome. week off to a good start. I thought pickleball was like an Arizona thing. Like everybody plays pickleball here. There's like pickleball leagues. There's like, like so many people play pickleball in this state. And I actually didn't even know about it until I moved here. Um, apparently, I guess it's everywhere. <laughs> apparently it's the fastest growing sport, like in the, either in the United States or in the world. One of the two, like it's like no the fastest growing way. sport in the U S or something like that. Yeah. It's dude. That's crazy. Next thing you know, yeah. there's going to be like, all, there's going to be like a professional pickleball league. Like the NBA, there already is, you know, there already is. there's already, and there, there's already, is there really? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, dude. And then it's, it's going to be like an Olympic sport before you know it. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun though. But I, I played tennis in high school and like, I love ping pong and everything. So like, okay. I've always been like those kind of sports. So it just naturally yeah. kind of clicked for me. That's but cool. anyways, it does man. look like a really fun sport. Like I have fun. seen people playing it and it looks like so much fun. I, if you like tennis, it's like tennis, but slower, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I'd say maybe it's a little faster, but the, the court oh. is smaller. And okay. it's, it's like in between ping pong and tennis, like right. people are like, is it big ping pong or small tennis? Like, which one is it? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's different for sure, but it's pretty fast paced. Cause you play the net a lot. So like the, the object of the game is you serve and then you want to get to the net as quick as you can. So you're okay. playing like net until you get the opportunity to smash it. That's kind of how it, I guess the strategy or whatever is like, get to the net and get the smash. But anyway, that sounds like so much fun. I love tennis and ping pong. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Let's okay. move on. Let's jump into this yes. episode. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about niches today. I'm super pumped uh, yeah. to talk about niches. I, I think having a niche is so important and yeah. um, such a powerful tool. And honestly, I kind of think it gets overlooked by a mm -hmm. lot of people or maybe they, for different reasons, maybe they just think it's not that important. And so um, it's just funny to me because I know we're going to dive in deep into this, but it's mm -hmm. so funny to me because I feel like there are, there's so many podcasts or YouTube, or, you know, I talk about this in my course, I'm sure you mm -hmm. talk about it, but for some reason, it's one of these things that no matter how many times people hear it, it's hard. It almost doesn't click even for me. Yeah, totally. You know, same. Maybe, like when, when you're setting up a new store or a new brand mm -hmm. or a new idea, you know, we've been talking about new ideas that, that we want to work on together. And it's like, yeah, how do we niche down or, or how <laughs> deep do we go? Or like, it's, it's a really hard question for people. So, yeah. you know, I hope this episode can bring some clarity and really speak to how, how powerful a niche is and why you should have it. So totally. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, even like this, even this podcast, remember when we were planning out the podcast, we're like, well, how far should we niche down? Like, should we like keep it a little more broad, like e-commerce? Should we do like online t-shirt brands, online yeah. t-shirt businesses? Should we do print on demand? And we chose print on demand to niche down. Like it's very, like a very strategic decision because yeah. it's what we both do and recommend. And so it just makes sense. But like, honestly, the stuff we talk about could appeal to so many, not only online t-shirt businesses, like, like 90 
5% of what we talk about could probably apply to online teacher businesses, but even just e-commerce in general, like starting an e-commerce business, marketing tactics, a lot of them are doing are following the same processes and are using a lot of the same tactics. Well, so, we've also talked about though, we've also talked about, you know, on this podcast, we want to, we want to talk about screen printing and out, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. And like mm -hmm. that could apply to even non e-commerce, right? There's going to be tips True. and strategies in there that don't even, you may not even be selling on the internet that those kind of things could ha help you. So it's True. like, I would just say encouraging anybody who's listening out there. Like if you ever struggled with trying to figure out a niche, like you're definitely not alone, even right. Even, even people who are very experienced in like starting online businesses or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, we still definitely struggled with it. And, and like, yeah. like a, just a little bit of a, just throw a little bit of nugget out there. Uh, Adrian and I are working on a, on a coaching program, which we, you know, we can't say much about right now. It's secret, but we're working on a coaching program, which I'm really excited about. And again, it was like and the podcast and the coaching program. We had to answer this question. Like yeah. who is our, who is our ideal customer? Yep. Who's our audience? And, and like, and like, you know, what is the niche? Are we going down to apparel or print on demand or e-commerce or it's like, where is that? So it's, it's definitely something you always have to face for sure. Yeah. And it, it's so funny, man. Like, like I struggled with it so much when I first started out. So like, and I'm sure you did too. Like I absolutely empathize with the people that are like, why would I cut out a huge segment of the population? You know, like mm -hmm. I don't, I want to cast a wide net. Don't, don't I want everyone to potentially be my customer? Doesn't that help my chances of being sold? The answer is no. And we're going to talk about that more, but I totally understand why people would think that. And I absolutely thought that too. There were so many times where I was tempted to just kind of like go more general. Um, mm -hmm. But like, it was almost like you had to almost like be disciplined about it. Like when I had my store in the dog niche, I was just like, there were so many, I was like, oh, we could make this exact same slogan in the cat niche. We can make this exact same slogan in the, like, I don't know, turtle niche. You know what I mean? Like we can do this <laughs> in so many niches. And it was so like tempting, but, but like, I was like, no, like you need to harness all that energy into just creating more designs for your niche because, yeah. you know, a target audience, usually a target audience for dogs is a little bit different than a target audience for cows or something like that, right? And if you're like building up all this traffic of dog lovers, and then all of a sudden you start dropping all these cow things, it's gonna, they're gonna be like, wait, is this like a general store? Like, I don't get it. Like, I thought this was like for dog lovers or something like that. Um, we'll get more into that. But I just want to say, like, I totally get it. <laughs> for sure. Well, why don't we start by diving into like if people maybe some people are listening to like what the heck is a niche? Like let's start, yeah. let's start by just talking about what is a niche. Mm -hmm. Wanna kick that off? Yeah. Yeah. So a niche is essentially just a fancy term for a segment of the population that has its own unique needs, preferences, or identity. So it's essentially think about it as having a pie, and the entire population is a pie. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna cut out a slice of that based on things that they identify with. So for example, let's say female dog lovers in the United States, or you could start really broad. You can be like dog lovers, cat lovers, um, you know, another segment of the population. Let's go in careers, teachers. That's a mm -hmm. super lucrative niche. That niche is huge. Nurses, another super lucrative niche. So essentially it's just choosing a target audience um, who identify together with similarities. And then what you want to do is you want to create products specifically for them. Like you want to be known is the place where teachers go to get their shirts because you have the coolest shirts for teachers or coolest shirts for nurses or coolest shirts for runners, something like that. So um, yeah, I think it's it, one thing that has been a little bit confusing for me that, you know, I think might confuse people as well. Just when it comes to like the definition is like, we often use terms, especially when you listen to podcasts or you watch YouTube videos or whatever, we often use terms like ideal customer, or like who, mm -hmm. like your who, like defining your customer and like, you know, what niche are you in or what are their, is, what are their interests? And you, we use all these terms. And I think that like one question I've tried to, un, I guess, discover myself and really like learn myself is like, is there a difference between you know, a niche and your customer, are they combined? Are they the same thing? And I think my, like my answer would be yes. Like all, all of them contribute to 
this term that we say as like a niche or a niche. Some people yeah. say, you know, you, you mentioned like it could be an interest. It could be just be an interest, right? It could just be yeah. dogs or classic cars or a sport, a sport or whatever. It could be a, a attribute of a customer. Um, right. you know, like you said, like their career. So it could be for teachers or nurses or pilots or, you know, people in the military that could be part of the niche, right. Uh, or niche. I, I like to say niche. niche, niche yeah. I, I sneak a, I sneak a, a niche in there though. So it, it could be those things, right. It could be family dynamics or relationship dynamics, right. It could be a, a brand. Yeah, it, it could just be a brand for, um, for, for moms or dads or grandmas mm -hmm. or right. Mm -hmm. Or, or, or women or men, or, you know, age groups for older people. And, one of the things I really want to talk about as we get further into this, po this podcast is um, is also combining those together. That's one of the most powerful mm. things you can do, oh, so right? Powerful. It gets yeah. it, it gets really fun when you start thinking of it in those terms. So uh, mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring a little, maybe bring a little bit of clarity to that. If you're like confused about like what is a niche and how does that relate to my target customer, and it's just like really, it's just all of the above relates to this term we use as the niche or the niche. That makes yeah, sense. I do feel like we use a lot of terms interchangeably, like ideal yeah. customer and target audience and target niche. Audience like the way the way I would explain a niche just in like the simplest form is just a chunk of the population with something unique about them. So like I really like your definition, like that definition <laughs> you brought unique needs, preferences or identity. Like that's right. That kind of covers everything we just talked about. Right. Right. And I mean, this is important for so many reasons, like. First of all, I feel I, you're, I, I think you would agree with this, that the more passionate the niche, the more likely they are to buy. Also, people just in general love to identify in groups. And so to be able to like create something specifically for an identity, but I feel like the more passionate, the like, it's almost like, I wish there was like some like, it's like some cute quote that would be like, you know, the more passionate, the more passion equals sales or something like that, because yeah. it's, it's so true. And I feel like the more you can make your products identify with these people, even more likely you're going to make sales. And that goes to the cross, you know, the cross niche designs, yeah. like you were suggesting, like, you know, when you put like dog lovers and coffee lovers together, someone who loves those two things are going to be like, that is so me. And I feel like those are the people that are most likely to buy. But I think, I think right now we just go ahead and say, we'll just say passion equals profit. All right. That's the Heck new, yeah. that's the new quote. Passion it. equals profit. I love it. Passion <laughs> equals profit. It's so, it's so true. And I think one other thing to mention too, is like, when you talk about going really broad and targeting everyone, like who is your passionate target audience when you're really broad? Like I've seen so many shirts that say really basic things. I'm just like, who would be passionate enough to, who would look at this and be like, that's so me, or I need this. Like, first of all, you're competing with huge retailers like Costco, Target, Walmart. If you mm -hmm. see your shirts in there, you're too broad. Like you're just too broad. You They're so hard to compete with and they've got crazy low prices. You don't want to compete with them. You don't want them mm -hmm. to be your competitors. And this is also a huge differentiator. Like if you can come up with um, a niche that they don't, that no big brand sells, you could become like the big brand in that niche. Even if it's like more of like a smaller specialized niche, you could be the go-to person and you're going to be, you're going to have way more passionate. You're going to have a way more passionate audience than someone who's trying to target everyone. People are going to see the ads or they're going to see the products and just going to be like, nah, like seen that before. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, just to, I just was kind of thinking through that. So I was like, you know, there's, there's three, there's three kind of, I guess, things that you can kind of combine together um, in my mind. And one, one thing I kind of teach and, there, and I might be missing something here. Cause this is kind of what I'm working through off the cuff here, but three things I always mm. think of uh, when you're trying to kind of define your niche or niche, you're going to get me saying niche. Like people get onto <laughs> me on like, like okay. on YouTube, I get comments on YouTube videos and they're like, it's, it's not niche, niche. It's niche. Okay. So I recently heard that it actually is a French word and it's pronounced niche, but know what? Say it however the hell you want. Like, but honestly, if I you don't Google care. it, 
If yeah. you Google it, it says it can be pronounced either way. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, like it's one of those like hilarious like debates where it's like, mm-hmm. just say whatever you want. We all know what you mean. I'm going you know I mean? to ask and, AI. And yeah, ask, ask chat, chat GBT. That's but our like, running joke throughout these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but ask, that quote, you know, GBT. the riches are in the niches. You have to say niche for that to work. You can't say the riches are in the niches. So like so even somebody, I interchange, yeah. even I interchange. Yeah. So these three things, (laughs) let me, let's talk about these three things Yeah, because one one thing we haven't touched on yet is the product and niching down by product. Mm. And I think that's an interesting aspect of this because you mentioned something there that kind of sparked this for me. And you, you said, um, uh, you know, you said you can be the go-to person in that niche. Well, one way you can differentiate in a maybe a crowded niche or some some people would use the term saturated i'm not a big fan mm. of that term mm. but it, but it, but a niche that has a lot of competition is right is you can sell a different type of product and you can actually specialize in that type of product totally um and so like if we look at this you know uh you know i'm trying to think of some good examples right off the bat my mind always goes to like coffee right like a coffee shop specializes in uh high-end coffee right like if mm. you if you want like a like a great coffee bean or an, a great cup of coffee you're probably mm-hmm. not going to go to walmart and buy folgers you know right it's, right it's not going to be this premium experience right right um, you know if you if you if you want to uh if you have a if you have a really nice car and you need to put really high-end oil in it when you get an oil change and you go to the walmart it's like you're not taking your Bentley to the Walmart to get the oil changed, right? right like right. you're going to like a premium place that specializes in that, or you're going to the mm-hmm. dealership or whatever, but uh, maybe those aren't the best examples, but specializing in a certain type of product. So what I mean by that is let's say there you're in the dog niche and there's a, just a bajillion t-shirt brands. It's like, okay, I'm going to go create a mug brand and we're going to specialize in mugs for dog mm. lovers. We're going to specialize in hats for dog lovers. Right. And you can carve out your own, unique, you know, niche there by product. Right. And so Mm -hmm. combining that with an interest, like we've been talking about, could be anything surfing, you know, running, uh, sewing. I mean, I did, we just talked about pickleball, right? Like, Hey, I need some pickleball t-shirts. Pickleball enthusiasts. Um, Right. And then combining that with who the customer is. Mm. And so saying, getting even, getting even deeper is saying like, okay, Sure, we're going to do pickleball and we're going to do mugs, but yeah. going one step deeper is defining who that customer is and saying, okay, well, what age, what age am I going to cater to? Right. Where are they going to be located? That's another one mm-hmm. that I really love is 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 niching down by location, mm-hmm. right? It, that helps you get to a more specialized uh, set of the population there, portion of the population. Uh, what 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 are their um, what's their family dynamics like? Uh, what is their occupation, right? Thinking about those things. And so it's yeah. this combo of product, interest, and customer uh, that can be a really powerful co- combo to come up with something unique, right? Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I completely agree. And um, going off of the product thing, like kind of like one thing I want to say is like a lot of businesses start out very specific. And then mm-hmm. as they grow, they start branching out from there. And I actually think that that's a good way to go because first, like get known for something, get, mm-hmm. get, be like the place for coffee lovers to get funny mugs and then expand out into shirts and hats and all these other things. And those you'll have a huge audience and you know, they're coffee lovers and you can create all these other things. Right. But like, if you can be known for something and niche down, I, I'm not opposed to people getting a little more like dropping a bit more general designs or kind of like expanding their product selection over time as they get more like known and mature as they grow their audience and stuff. But I do think that like it's most important out of the gate because that is what's going to differentiate you from like every other dog company out there. And that is, I was in that niche. It's extremely competitive. And you know what, if I went back, I probably would have actually niched down a layer deeper and gone to a specific breed. So I've, I've talked to you about this before. Like mm-hmm. you, instead of having a broad dog lovers brand, you could be like the, the brand for Corgi lovers. And every shirt 
every every coffee mug, every hoodie, everything is about Corgi lovers. That is going to be much more attractive to Corgi owners, all the Corgi, Corgi owners out there than one that just says dog. Not that those won't be funny and they won't think they're funny, but like getting more specific Again, it's like passion equals profits. You know what I mean? When you're getting more specific, like to their specific breed, someone would way rather want to, like way rather prefer to wear, I think, a shirt that says, Corgis make me happy, you not so much, versus in general, dogs make me happy, you not so much. You know what I mean? And what you can do, <clears throat> like you can expand that brand over time out to mm -hmm. other breeds and stuff like that. But like get known for something like stick your flag in the ground and say, yeah. this is what I'm known for. We're the number one Corgi lover shop in the world. And then and you just think about it. You just think about it as a customer, right? You mm -hmm. own a Corgi, you love your mm -hmm. Corgi. You, you, you know, you're, you're super passionate about how much you love your Corgi. Yeah. Who do you want to buy from? Do you want to buy from doggiesrs.com exactly. or do you yep. want to buy from, the experts in corgis, right? Like yeah. the, and you want to buy from, from a business owner. That's also passionate about the thing that you're passionate about, right? right. Like I'm going to go there. I'm going to support that business instead of going down to Walmart and just buying like doggy lovers, you know, t-shirt, right? Like, yeah. um, so I think there's a lot of power in that and just being able to make that connection with, you know, uh, the customer that likes that specific niche, that specific thing. Right. right. And it allows you to speak their language. And that, right. that's something I want to expand on more is like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you will often hear the marketing gurus, the marketing geniuses is say like when you're writing copy or when you're, when you're selling, right. And when you, when you're writing ads and these kind of things, like you want to say the things in those ads that your customer is thinking when they're laying at bed at night, mm -hmm. like you want to get into their head. And so mm -hmm. when you go into a specific niche, there is most every time there's going to be specific things that only people that are passionate about that niche are going to know, are going to say terms that right. they're going to use, you mm -hmm. know, all, all these kind of things, right. That you have to be in tune with and the better you can, you can use those terms, use the, that language, the easier you can get the sale because you're going to be able to make the connection right away, as opposed to being this broad, you know, just for everybody, you're not going to have any specific marketing language that's right. going to resonate with people. Right. And it's not just the products, it's the content too. Like think about how much e like easier it will be to 100%. get followers when you're throwing out Corgi specific content. Like it's one thing, like, you know, a lot of dog lovers are probably following like 20 dog lover brands. So it's going to be harder to get them to follow another dog lover brand. But they, if they own Corgis and they're only following broad dog lover brands, and then they see this one, like I love Corgis.com or whatever, all of a sudden they're, that's going to catch their eye. And then you can put all this content specifically to Corgi. I don't know anything about Corgis, but it's like, oh, you know, you could put out content like 10 tips to keep your Corgi healthy or like common conditions yeah. that Corgis experience as they age or like the perfect food for Corgis or all these things specifically to Corgis. And like, think of how much more value they're going to get out of that community than one that's just a general dog community. Not only are there way less Corgi specific communities than dog communities, but everything is going to be about Corgis. Like when, when they're scrolling down their feed on social media, if they see a Corgi, that's probably going to stop them. That's probably going to stop their scroll. 100%. Whereas if they see a dog, the algorithm or the algorithm has probably matured so much that all it shows them is dog stuff. I know that's with my wife. Like all she sees is animal posts. All I see is motivational posts. Like when I yeah. go down like Instagram reels, it's all motivational stuff. Hers is all animals. I'm like, man, this algorithm's insane. It's like I've never seen an out. Like I never see animal posts. But like you know, if the, if Facebook, Instagram, TikTok knows that they're a corgi lover your, your content is more likely to get in front of those people. And if they see a Corgi as opposed to, as opposed to Pipple and they're a Corgi owner and or lover, they're way more likely to stop and look at your stuff. So you can add so much more value on the content level, which is going to get them more likely to follow you, subscribe to your email. You could even do like, if you want to get like, you know, you could even do like meetups for Corgi lovers in your area, where if you live in a big city where, you know, you're, you create this community where yeah. you actually plan activities and stuff. And and then you're known as like the Corgi King or queen, you know what I mean? Yeah, for it's sure. Just, yeah. So one of the, one of the questions I get a lot to kind of lean into this from, from people that, you know, uh, follow me on whatever YouTube or wherever 
you know, one of the questions I get a lot is like, and I want to ask you this is like, Adrian, can I just build a, can I build a broad store and then just like put all these niches in it to where I'm like still niching down, but I, but I, you know, I have all the niches in there mm -hmm. and my response is like, and I'm not to be harsh, but I'm just like, you're, you're missing the whole point here. You know, right. like that's literally the, like what we're, what I guess what we're telling you not to do, you know what I mean? Like right. that, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of niching down, right. Is that you want right. to be this known for the specific passion and those, but I get that question so many times because I think people's yeah. thinking is just like, I'm still niching down, mm -hmm. but like. I want to be able to include all these other things. Uh, yeah. What are the drawbacks of that? Or like, how do you see that? Yeah. So general, general stores, that doesn't mean everybody's your customer. If someone said, Oh, I want to niche down, but I want to have like 10 niches in my store. I'm like, that's a general store. That's, that's a store with 10 different niches. One, how are you going to get passionate people to follow you when you're trying to appeal to 10 different audiences? And secondly, it's going to be so hard to run ads because you're going to be running ads. The algorithm is not going to know what, where to send people because you've got so many different unrelated products or, you know, all these different niches. Mm -hmm. So it could make it, I, I feel like you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and it's going to be a struggle for you. Like what I would say is start with one niche develop that niche, build up the audience. And then maybe then over time, as you grow, like there's more than enough people in the Corgi lover niche to make it, to make a successful business. In my opinion, I think you could make a very successful business just targeting Corgi lovers. And there's always new Corgi owners. Like there's literally always people getting Corgis. There's always new Corgis coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? And always new Corgi owners. So like, this is like a niche that's not like, it's not like they fizzle out. Like this is like an evergreen niche. So I would say stick your flag in the sand, like dominate one niche and then maybe then consider doing that. But I would actually very likely create separate stores for that. Like I would create 100%. like, I love corgis.com. I love pitbulls.com. And you can repurpose a lot of like similar content, like, you know, maybe funny quotes where you just change out the word like, Corgi for pitfalls and stuff like that. I would actually create separate ones so that you're actually sticking your fork in the sand for every totally single agree. niche versus like being super general. Like if I loved Corgis and then I went on this site and it was like every dog niche, I'd be like, oh, like I'm getting like, this isn't that, you know, they're sending all this tra tra uh, content. They're sending me all this content that I'm just not interested in. It's not relevant to me. Like passion equals profits. Like if people mm -hmm. are Corgi lovers, give them Corgi content. If they're pitbull lovers, give them pitbull content. So I do think that that is a mistake. And I think that they're putting themselves at a disadvantage. But again, I understand where they're coming from. They're like, oh, I just want to cast a wide net. So like more potential customers will come to me. But you're going to struggle to get people's attention. That's really 100%. what it comes down to. Like you need to be like people. A lot of people say like, oh, like, you know, the t-shirt business is too saturated. Yes. If you're creating a general store that appeals to everyone, absolutely. It's insanely saturated. And I would, I would say, do not waste your time. Like just don't even do it. It's a huge waste of time. You're going to struggle. It's going to be hard to get anyone passionate about a store that sells everything or appeals to like a hundred different niches. Right. But it's not too saturated. If you can create a niche and become like the king in that niche. And there's still so many opportunities to do that. Even like, like you can go online and you could probably search like Corgi shops right now or Corgi pages. And I bet you, if you went on there, you would find a whole bunch that hasn't posted in like years. And maybe the websites don't even work anymore. Like there's always people like starting pages for these things and then they get unmotivated and they just quit. So like you look on there and like maybe the Google searches will look overwhelming. But if you do a little bit of research, a lot of times you can be like, man, there is no like yeah. king or queen of this niche. Like this is like a huge opportunity. Even though when I run a Google search, it looks like everyone in their dog owns a corgi shop. It's not the case. Um, and I think that there's so many niches that have huge potential that do not have an undisputed winner in. And these listeners, you listeners, you can be that undisputed winner, but you, you can't like do going too broad. Like if you're trying to be the undisputed winner against Walmart or Target or Costco, good luck. That's like a huge uphill battle. And in my 100%. opinion, it's just like not a good use of time. It's going to totally be a bad agree. experience. Yeah, I totally agree mm -hmm. with you. 
Um, I think we should move into how how to kind of pick a niche, like what you know what you should look for. And we talked about this a yeah. little bit already. We've talked a lot about passion, but um, one of the things you you know you put here, and 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 we we talk about a lot, like I talked about inside shirt school and teach, you know, in our challenges is the three P's of choosing a niche. I love and what this. this is is it's just a very simple framework you can follow if you're somebody who is is listening to this right now and you're like, I need to choose a niche. I have no idea what to choose got some ideas. I just don't, don't really know how to go about it. And this is a simple framework. It's three P's and you can kind of do this along with us if we just want to do this activity uh, really quick. But the first thing that, uh, so three, three P's, the first P is passion. And this is the first thing that I think you should think about uh, as you're choosing a niche. What are you Mm. passionate about? And Mm. what I would recommend you do is just take out a sheet of paper, grab your phone, open a notes app, and just write down the first three things that come to your head. Don't think about it too much. What are the three things that drive you each day that you're constantly thinking about, that you're talking to friends about? about? Another thing to think about when it comes to this is what are people always asking you about? Um, this is really powerful because mm. you know a lot of, I would say most people, you know, when you're around your friends or something, they're always coming to you for that certain thing. And, you know, that, that kind of feeds into one of our other P's, but think about that. Like, what are people always asking you about? Is there something that drives you? Is there something that you love that maybe you wish you'd talk about more, you know, that you're, that you're kind of always staying up on, you're staying current on. So write down the first three things that come to your mind that you are passionate about. And I would say chances are, I want to hear your perspective on this, Adrian, but chances are, if you are passionate about that thing, there are likely other people who are passionate about it as well that you yeah. can then create a brand and start to sell to your thoughts on that yeah. man this is so huge and i think a lot of time people think about like okay where's the money they're like what what are the untapped opportunities like you know oh crypto is big right now you know yeah. assuming crypto was really big they're like oh i should start in the crypto niche or you know this is really big so i should start in this niche but like Honestly, like it's going to make your life so much easier if you stick with something you're passionate about. I have created a business that was in something I'm not passionate about, and I've created a business in something I was passionate about. And it was like the level of motivation was like day and night difference. But not only that, it was just so much easier to come up with content for something I was passionate about. I was already reading these articles. I was already getting these memes and my, the algorithm was already feeding me these funny memes. Like, you know, like I already spoke the language of the niche. I already knew kind of like, like the, like the ideal target audience because I was one of them. And like, Mm -hmm. I was friends with people in that niche. Like it made it so much easier on so many levels. Like one, like you are the target audience. You can literally like look around at what you're buying and be like, oh, hey, I could create this. Like I bought this. My friends wear this brand. Like I could create like a competing brand to this or something like that. And like, not only that, there's like, there's so many other things you can do. Like you can, if you want design ideas, show them to your friends. Your friends are in the niche. You know what I mean? Or like if you're part of communities on like Facebook and Instagram, you're like that you're that you're passionate about. What a great place to get inspiration, right? You can even join a Facebook group about your niche and you can share your designs and be like, hey, I was wondering if you guys could give me some feedback on this. Obviously, be careful with that. Ask the moderator if that's okay. But yeah. like <laughs> there's like if if you're already part of these communities, it's gonna make your life so much easier and it's gonna be fun. If you are not part of these communities, you're going to have to go out and like follow them, get to know them, essentially stalk them and learn about as much as you can about them. You're going to be doing something day in and day out that you don't really care about. It's like, you know, if you start in the crypto niche just Mm because it's popular and then six months later, you know, you're still, you're trying to build this business. Like you're going to hate your life if you don't really love crypto. You know what I mean? Totally. That's it that was just... kind of like me with one of my businesses. Like, like, yeah. like I don't hate dogs. I think dogs are awesome, but I've never owned a dog in my life. And I'm not like passionate about them because I've never owned a dog in my life. Mm-hmm. And so starting in the dog niche, I kind of like made the mistake. I was like, oh, I think there's opportunity here. I just do. And so I went in the dog niche, but man, it was brutal. I was like, I don't know what these people like. I don't know what they want. I don't know how they talk. I don't know, you know, yeah. 
fortunately, I partnered with my brother to start that business and he was a dog owner and lover. And so I actually had him do all of our content creation <laughs> and it like made it so much easier. Right. Um, and then we just created designs based on like what people were engaging with. Um, well, I was going like, to mention that like myself, man, that would have been brutal, brutal. Yeah. I was going to mention that like, you know, and it's so it's one thing if, first of all, let's just hypothetically say, you know, you, you've had a ton of success. You have some money in the bank. You want to invest in something like this. And, you know, you, 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 there's a startup and you say, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to, I'm going to put money into it to invest into it. Like that's a lot different than what we're talking about of going and starting for a lot of you guys, your first online business, maybe your first business in general, right? That's different when it's more hands-off and kind of like you said, is like, let's just say you have some money saved up or whatever, and you have a friend that's super passionate about something and you want to like partner with them and they're going to be the person that's super passionate about that. And for you, right. it's just a money, it's just a money-making play. Yeah. Like that's very different from what we're talking about, right? Like right. this, for most people, this is going to be that solopreneur type thing. Maybe you have a small team once your, your, your sales start growing, but it's going to be a day in and day out niche that you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to work on. And you want to pick something that you enjoy, that you love, that you, that you can buy into yourself, not yeah. just doing it for the money. You know, I, I just think doing something you're passionate about is like, you just have to, you know, at this, it just makes your life so much easier and it's fun. Like yeah, you have fun. to have fun doing this. Like if you're not having fun doing this, who, who's going to give up first? The person who's like, I love corgis and I have a brand all about loving corgis versus someone who's like, I hate horses. I've never had a horse. I know nothing about them. And I have a brand about horses. Who do you think is like significantly more likely to give up sooner? And that is one of the number one reasons we see print on demand businesses. I don't even like to use the word fail. They just give up. Like mm -hmm. they quit. Like you, you only fail if you quit and they quit. So I guess by definition they fail, but like, if you're actually passionate about the niche, you're going to ride it out. And like a lot of times, you know, um, I heard a really good quote recently that says like perseverance is a great uh, substitute for um, what was it? Perseverance is a great substitute for talent. And like, it's kind of like if you're in, a, if you know, if you love corgis and you have this corgi brand, um, you're going to persevere when times are tough because you're going to be like, I like this stuff anyways. You know what I mean? Whereas these people yeah. like, oh, these damn horse lovers, they just don't like my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I hate horses. I'm out, you know? Um, yeah. All right, let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll through these last two P's. Sorry, go ahead. Let's, let's, let's get, let's rock and roll through these last two P's. Yeah. We can talk about passion all day. The yeah. second one is proficiency. It's what, what are you proficient in? And I think whoever came up with this was just trying to come up with like a fancy word for like, what do you know a lot about? So we, yeah, we said knowledgeable. proficient. We got to make it, it's got to be a P because it's the three right, P's. Of course, right? The three P's. So, yeah. What do you know a lot about? What are you proficient in? Now you don't need to be an expert and that I'm really glad you put that in here, Adrian. Like mm -hmm. you don't need to be an expert in this, but in order to be in a niche and actually speak the language and all that kind of stuff, you probably need to know a little bit about it, right? Like right. You, you need to kind of be able to speak that language and some of that can be learned, but this is a great, uh, it's a, it's a great way to kind of pick the niche that you want to go into is by thinking about the things that you are proficient in. So when you mm. start, you write down two, three, four things that you're passionate about, right? What things come to mind? You might say, man, I love lifting weights. I love doing CrossFit. I love my dog. I love, you know, football. Like you write down these things that right. you're passionate about. The next step would be, I would mark out the things that you couldn't hold a conversation with your buddies about, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if, you know, if you feel comfortable going to somebody and just having a conversation with them about this niche, I'll give you an example. I'm a guitar player. I play guitar for, I don't even know how many years now, 20 plus years of my life. I play guitar. Um, I could, I could hold a conversation with anybody about like deep guitar things, you know, that if I talk to you right now, you'd have no clue what I'm talking about if you don't play guitar, but I can talk to you about effects pedals. I can talk to you about amps and different models of guitar and techniques and all these different things. Right. So that would be on my list and would be something that I would say, man, I'm passionate about guitars, but I could also talk to people about it, hold a conversation. Mm. I could probably teach you something about it 
You know, mm -hmm. so proficiency is kind of that second P. Anything you want to add to that, Adrian? Yeah, so I remembered my thought from the other one that actually works for this too. And it's, if you are passionate and proficient in something, it's going to be really easy for you to create original content. And mm -hmm. with the rise of like TikTok and like Instagram reels, like original content is getting more and more popular. So like, imagine if you created a brand about loving corgis. And even if you just posted videos of your corgi and put like a yeah. trending audio or like something funny about it, you could create all this original content. But like, also if you're proficient in something, you can create some awesome content starting conversations about like corgis or something like, oh, hey, I noticed my corgi is doing this. Does anyone out there in the corgi community know what this could be? All of a sudden you get all this engagement and then, you know, like that, the algorithm is loving that. They're showing it to more corgi lovers. And I just feel like it, like with the rise of the user generated content creator um, and the rise of like all these platforms and the micro video I think that this also puts you at a huge advantage. Um, so yeah, but I, I totally agree. Like, you know, there's so many things you could say you're passionate about, but you might not be proficient in, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I love that is like, uh, essentially you create this big list with passion, then you, you drop a couple of those and then you're like, okay, I got the passion and the proficiency. And then number three, which you're going to say in a sec, you're like, okay, that one I think has potential. And then all of a sudden you come, you narrow it down to like just a couple of things and yeah, like becomes like almost like a no brainer. So good. So good. I'll hit the last P. The last P is profitable. What is profitable? So there might be situations where, you know, you write down a bunch of things you're passionate about. You write, you mark out the things you're not proficient in. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it and you're like, I don't know if this is profitable. You know, like mm -hmm. if it's, if it's so obscure, if there's not going to be here, here's how, here's, here's kind of how I, think about it when it, when it comes to the internet, because we pick our niche and we want, we're like, how do we know if it's profitable? I always think, I always ask this question. Can you easily find the, the, the customer that you want to sell to on the internet? Are they easy to locate? Right. And because there are some niche, there are some niches and I always struggle to find some examples of this because the internet is such a huge and wide vast place that you can pretty much sell anything. But, yeah. but, um, but like, if you can't go onto Facebook and find a group of that customer really quickly, or if you can't go onto Instagram and find pages worth of, you know, fans of that niche, or if you can't go to TikTok, or if you can't go to even Reddit and find, you know, Reddit uh, threads inside that niche or whatever the case may be like, right. It might, it might be a, either too small or it might right. be a niche that, you know, won't, just won't work on the internet. You know, you yeah. could, you could say that. So, and there's, there's, I think there's very few, niches you're going to run into like that. But mm -hmm. in some cases, you know, depending on the age group and the interest and how, how super niche down it is, you know, there might be some, some situations where you can't easily locate those, that group of customers. Yeah. I, I do think you can go and like, I, I, I can't even think of an example of when anyone has ever done this, but I think you could go too deep. I just don't, I can't think of a single example where I had a student and I was like, oh, that's like a little bit too specific where it's going to be f hard to find any passionate communities about this. And if you do, they're going to have like 10 people, you know, like I've, so, just, I've never seen it. It's the, it's the opposite yeah. problem every time, whereas people are going too general. I've run into it a little bit, but it's, mm. it's more, and I can give you some examples, but it's more when, um, when they go to run ads for the most part, it's like mm. when they go to run ads, if there's not enough targeting options available, you know, cause yeah. that's one way that you can, that's one way you can kind of identify if the niche is profitable is like, how easily can it be targeted with advertising? Right. Um, that's, that's one thing to think about. Now that's not a deal breaker. But right. when you, when you go to try to scale your business, and I think we, I think we kind of both agree that, you know, you probably shouldn't start with ads in most cases, you should do some right. organic activity. I think, I think that's kind of the page you're on too. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, you know, when you go to scale your business, if you can't directly target people that are interested in that thing or, or meet the criteria, you know, age group, whatever, um, it, it can make it a little more difficult. So like one I ran into a little more recently was, um, on Facebook, they've taken 
pretty much all of the Christian interests out of there. Mm. And so like brands that want to sell any kind of in the Christian niche, like you have to like go around it. You have to like target like positive and motivational things instead of like where you used to be able to target like a specific church or a pastor or a ministry or like, you know, uh, even interests just like Jesus, like you can't, you can't put that in anymore. It's really weird. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one that, that, that has, uh, that has kind of gone away. So, you know, I, I, I do think there's situations where you run into it where it might be, and that's not say like the, the Christian niche is like a huge, you know, like there's, a bajillion really popular brands. And there are different ways you can kind of get around that different strategies you can use. But I have run into it just a couple of times where it's kind of hard to find. The only thing, other thing I would add is, you know, sometimes what happens is I think uh, people try to combine niches that don't work together. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah. And that's maybe something have, we should dive into stuff like that before. And that's usually when they're not proficient or passionate about the niche. <laughs> Yeah. If they don't identify yeah. with it, a lot of people like they'll notice like crossover if they're a part of that niche. Like, for example, I know that wine lovers, a lot of them also love country music. The reason I know that is because my friend started a six figure online clothing brand when I started my first online clothing brand and it was targeting the wine niche. And their bestseller of all time was uh, a design that crossed country music and wine that was when their brand completely took off and so like if i wasn't a wine lover or a country music lover i wouldn't really think like to i wouldn't think about that and they tested a lot of different things to actually find that those two things like crossed over but if so you the were question part i would of it, have okay oh, the question i would have for you is can you create an entire brand around those two things together i they mean did. what do you think they yeah. did yeah I do. They did. They created a six figure brand and they sold it like within less than two years, they sold it. So, um, yeah, you absolutely, you could absolutely create a brand around the wine niche because it's already been done. They, they proved that it can be done. Um, but could you create a brand around wine and country music together? Like, yeah, you could definitely have designs, right. But like, and maybe it's, maybe it's the way that I teach it is like, I've seen a lot of people that they'll try to, they'll try when they're trying to niche down, they'll try to create that. Right. Like, right. well, I'm going to go wine and country music. You know, I had another, mm. had another lady who did uh, a, an entire store for people who love to run on the beach with their dog. Okay. Right. Like, like running with your dog, which I liked it. I, I was like, okay, you know, I think, interesting. I think if they, if they, you know, if the, if the niches like work together, really well. And there's a big enough group of people. And when I say big enough, it doesn't have to be that big, you know, relatively relative to really big niches. It could be small, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Like that's, that's, I know it's a tough question. I'm hitting you with the hard, the hard ones. So is the question, do I think that they could create a brand completely around like wine and country music? Yeah. Is that too Uh, niche? Is that too niche? Is it too niche? Okay. So (laughs) Um, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Let's just, let's just say this. If it were me, I would do wine. Um, I think that's niche enough. Um, and then I would create designs with the cross, like, you know, cross interests that like they did, I would do what they did. They created a, a brand specifically for wine. There weren't many wine inspired apparel brands out there they were able to get a lot of followers. Like they grew to six figures in less than a year. It was like really fast. Like it did not take them very long. Um, so that's what I would do. I would, I would do like the wine, you know, wine lover niche. And then I would like play around with different, um, different interests that I could, you know, that I yeah. could cross over with it. Um, could you do it with the have success? I mean, they definitely made six figures with just the wine and country music designs because what they did is they had one go very mm-hmm. viral and they were able to scale that to over six figures. And then they created a whole bunch more about wine and country music. So yeah, yeah I guess so. I guess so. I just like, man, I hate saying things are too niche because it's never a problem I see. I just see the opposite problem where things are too general, but like, if I, think me, just I would do the wine niche and I would it, just it, cross like, yeah. like you know, joint interest with the wine niche, but I would focus on the wine niche. I think that that's niche. It enough. definitely, 
it definitely depends on the the niches, you know, like it, and that's why, that's why I mentioned is like every once in a while I'll come across <clears> a store from a student where I just, I look at the, maybe they're, tr- and usually what it is, they're trying to combine two niches and it's just <clears> like, <throat> do those really work together? You know, right. now if it's something like wine and country music, I'm like, it, your, your brand could literally be the country wine drinker.com. Totally. You know? and, and, yeah. and it could all, it could all be about, you know, country music and relaxing and getting together with your friends and the different kind of wine you drink and, uh, you know, all the different, like there, there's definitely like, I, I think those two could work together. Now, yeah. I think if I were going about it, I would probably ag- tend to agree with you. Like I would go for wine just generally, mm-hmm. or I would go a little, I would go with the wine niche. I might think about tailoring it towards a certain customer, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's specifically for women. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, there's less for women actually. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. kind of thinking about that, like, mm-hmm. and this is not to anybody who's listening out there. This is, this is kind of like behind the scenes, you as the owner, you're thinking through these things, right? Like who is the typical female wine drinker? Like thinking about that, right? Okay. Where, where mm-hmm. do they live? Like maybe even if it's country music and wine, maybe we focus in on the the South and you know, Texas and Oklahoma and like in, in these Southern States where maybe it's, you know, more, they're more into country music or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think I would agree with you, but it's a hard question. Right. And I think that's the it dilemma is. people are facing or thinking about is like, what yeah. is too niche? Cause there is a point where maybe it could be a too niche or maybe niches just don't work together. Yeah. I agree that there's definitely niches that sometimes people try to do that. It's like, like, I don't know what inspired this, but like, uh, this isn't something I've ever really seen before, um, which probably means that it might be hard to find people that are passionate about these two things. And I could be totally wrong. I'm sure I'd be wrong about a lot of things. Anything I'm not passionate about, I don't know about, like, maybe they know something I don't, you yeah. know what I mean? But um, yeah. yeah, the wine and country music thing. I mean, if if they were able to make six figures from wine and country music designs, then clearly like that could work. Um, and if they can keep creating designs for those people that bring them and there's always, again, there's always people getting into wine and country music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like you could, I'm sure like they, they prove that you could create a successful brand with those things. But, and I think that there is a lot of crossover with those two, which made it so powerful for them. That's the key word probably is the, like how much crossover is there? Yeah. Is there enough? And you just got to think, is there enough people interested in both of those things? Right. Uh, that that it can be profitable. I know that bringing this back around, we're talking about profitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. One other thing that I always think about that maybe we can touch on a little bit when you're thinking about is it profitable? Is you we've I think we touched on this maybe in a previous episode, like very briefly. You want to see competition. You want there yes. to be, you want there to be activity and sales and brands in the market. Yeah, we don't we don't want to go into niches that are, that are not explored, that are completely unexplored yet for the most yeah. part. Um, yes. now to clarify what, like what we just talked about, let's just say country music and wine, mm-hmm. maybe no one has. So we might say no one has explored those two together. Mm. And, and so some people might say, well, maybe I shouldn't do that because no one's explored it. But my response would be both of those things, uh, singularly have been explored very much right country music right. T-shirts and there's passionate communities for both of them both yeah. yeah so so in my in my mind like there's yeah there's competition in both of those so combining them could be amazing right mm-hmm. but what we're talking about is like you don't want to go into some obscure niche that no one has done yet because there's likely a reason that no one has done it and totally yeah you don't want to try to be the pioneer you want to go into something right. that already has demand it already has sales Man, it's so true. Competition or like seeing competition is good. Seeing a lot of businesses in that niche is good. It means there's money being made. And like, I actually made this mistake. So my first ever t-shirt business failed miserably. I literally made zero sales. It was about something I knew nothing about. I wasn't passionate. I wasn't proficient and it clearly wasn't very profitable. And so it like literally failed failed the three P tests on every single level. And guess what it resulted in? Like a big fat donut. I made zero <laughs> sales, like no sales. And so like, I I absolutely agree. It's just like, I, I actually, a, a, a thought comes to mind about like this person that I heard was writing a book on 
Native American females in space, like astronauts. And I was well, like, that's a niche right there. That is niche. Like, <laughs> ooh, that is so niche. Oh man. Like, please don't try to create a clothing brand around that because there's probably like five ever in history. And it's <laughs> yeah. gonna be kind of hard to get anyone else to buy those. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, I I completely agree. <clears throat> so that's the three P's passion, yes. proficiency, and profitability. Yeah. Love Those it. are the three P's. It makes it um, so clean and simple. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, Adrian, on this, on this subject that, uh, that maybe we haven't covered? Man, I like, I feel like we've kind of like hit this one home. Um, I just like, I, I want to encourage people to really, really focus on like not being too general. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I, I know I've said it multiple times, but this is like the, when it comes to niche, this is like the thing I see the most where people is like, Oh, what if I, what if I target females or what if I target like something really, really super broad? I'm like, man, like you are putting yourself at a huge disadvantage by doing that. Like, like the profits are in the passions and <laughs> I just passion I, I, equals I'm, profit. Yeah, or passion equals profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just the profits I, I are in the passions. I might like that Pro better. <laughs> profits. I thought it was passion equals profits, but it is. But whatever. I like I like the profits are in the passions. Oh, right. Just different ways of rewording the same idea. But yeah, yeah no. I mean, that's that's my my biggest takeaway is like if you think it's too general, then it's probably too general. Mm -hmm. um, but like if there do not be discouraged if there are a lot of communities and businesses around this like what i what i didn't mean what i didn't say about my first what i forgot to say about the first t-shirt brand that i ever started that failed miserably that i made zero sales was i i saw that there was like nobody in this space and i took that as like an opportunity i was like oh my god it's like an untapped resource like or an untapped like niche like i'm going to go in there and i'm just going to like clean up but there was a reason why there was no other businesses in there. I'm sure people had tried and failed. Um, and so I made a mistake of thinking that it was an opportunity. Um, after that, I actually went with a brand that was, or a, a niche that was way more broad. And that ended up being my seven figure brand. It was, it's, it was way more broad than this other one. So, um, and I saw lots of competition and it was very discouraging and it was scary, but People were making money. That's why there were so many businesses in it. <clears throat> Man, all that's so good. I want to leave you with this, that I think there, when you're choosing your niche, um, you know, you can follow all of these formulas and frameworks, and we've given you a ton of guidelines and, 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 you know, frameworks to follow the three P's and this, but like, I also think at the end of the day, don't overthink it, uh, take imperfect mm -hmm. action, right? Mm -hmm. uh, nothing, you know, with, the way that we encourage people to start a, an online apparel business is like print on demand, you know, Shopify, it's low risk. Right. And so like mm -hmm. the reality is if something doesn't work, you're just going to learn from that and be able to take yes. that experience into your next business and, and, and be able to learn from that. And so I would say, don't overthink it, take imperfect action. And if there's something on your, like on your heart or that you're, that you just feel like this is the thing I need to do. This is the niche I need to go in, like do it. And, and again, yeah. like I always tell my students too, like, what is the worst case scenario that could happen? Right. Literally, what is the worst that could happen? You're going to close your Shopify store and then you can just start another one. Like, right. who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it fails, it fails. Just don't go into it thinking like, I'm going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it. Right. Like you want to get a minimum viable product. You mm -hmm. want to just pick a niche. You want to spend min minimal money prove the concept and, and then go from there. Right. And, and yeah. so that's, that's my thought on it is just like taking perfect action, take action. Don't, don't get stuck on choosing the very perfect niche because right. it's probably not going to be the perfect niche right. and you can make adjustments as you go. Right. Like if it's not perfect, just make adjustments. Like my, totally one of my first stores, like I, I did it for two or three months before I, I decided to just change everything. I changed the logo. I changed the name. Like I just changed it all. I changed the URL and I was just like, 
Nobody cared. Nobody like, yeah. <laughs> nobody emailed me and was like, what are you doing? It was like, who cares? Eh? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I know, that's my thought. And no, you're, you're absolutely right. Like I, I think that a lot of people, and I've seen this a lot with students and, and other people where they'll, it'll take them a year to like get everything perfect to launch mm -hmm. their brand. I'm like, man, the brand that launched your competitor that launched a year ago is way further ahead right now yeah. when you're just hitting the like go live button for your store. And you're totally right. Like that's the beauty of print on demand is it's like low risk, low cost. And it's such a fast way to start a store. You can pivot. You can pivot as much as you want. And like, you know, like another quote I like is like fail forward, you know, mm -hmm. like, like put in the work, learn things and you're going to be better from it. Like, so I was, even though that one brand totally failed and I made zero sales, I knew so much more when I started my next brand. I knew how to Absolutely. start a store faster. I knew how to market better. I knew so many different things I learned along that. And it was almost like, like there was a ton of value in that, that carried over to the next store. So I a hundred percent agree. And like, I don't want anyone to think that we're, di we're discouraging them from starting a store. I say, start a store. You're going to get better over time. You can totally pivot. That's the beauty of this space is it's not that hard to pivot. You can literally like pivot in like a couple of days, a week. You know what I mean? And it's not really going to make much difference at all. Like you shut down one Shopify store where you were paying 30 bucks a month for, and now you have another Shopify store that you're paying 30 bucks a month for. Yeah. There's not many other costs. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening today. That was a great episode. Make sure you niche down. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave us an honest review on whichever platform you're listening from. Thank you so much again, and we will see you guys soon.